Welcome to Women of the Wild, where education and opportunities are key. And friendships are made to last a lifetime. Did you get him? <laughs> you think we got him? You think we got him? <laughs> got him. <laughs> All right, Skylar, what do we got here? to season two women of the wild podcast we would like to first start off by thanking our title sponsors for the 2024 year atlantic coral enterprise one of the largest import dealers in the world with excellent quality for hides skulls shells and amazing gifts for friends and family or even your household you can find them at atlanticcoralenterprise.com rm custom calls multiple world championships from main street to live duck American-made, veteran-owned, when you want to win on the stage or in the blind, we have you covered. Small shop, big sound. You can find them at rmcustomcall.com or on Instagram. We also have Rhino Land Safaris, providing exceptional quality with unmatched hospitality and cuisine, offering African safaris, a destination hunt for the avid rifle or bow hunter with some of the best trophy management South Africa has to offer. You can find them at rhinoland.co.za or on Facebook, Instagram. Hey everyone, Andy Lehman here from ACC Crappie Sticks. Just want to let you know about our crappie baits and jig heads. We have a wide selection of the hottest colors and big eye crappie jig heads in the most popular colors and sizes. Check them all out at acccrappiesticks.com. Thank you. And now for today's episode, we hope you enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Women of the Wild podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Marie, and we are here today with Jerry Joe. Uh, Jerry, we are excited to have you on, and you are an all-around outdoors woman. I see you out there deer hunting, duck hunting, doing photography, all these great things. But would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and introducing yourself? Yeah, like Felicia said, my name is Jerry Joe Hibbs, I go by Joe. Um, I was born and raised in southern middle Tennessee, about an hour south of Nashville. Um, I wasn't really brought up in exactly the hunting scene. So I was raised riding horses and field trialing bird dogs. So what we all did was for like the competition purpose. I didn't really see a bird die or anything, but we were more like riding horseback, riding behind the dogs, watching the dogs work. And that's what really like born my passion into this is going with my pawpaw. I'd be like three and four years old riding on the front of my grandpa's trooper saddle, <laughs> chasing dogs in the middle of winter. That actually Down. makes a lot of sense for all your love for the dogs. Yes. Yes. Especially if anybody's ever seen my photography, like it's very, very pretty much centered on the dogs. Like I'm, I'm a little obsessed. I love it. 
So when did you get into hunting on like your own as a female? So the first time I was probably 13 or 14. I did go with my papa out one time. Of course, I scared the deer off because I didn't understand what was going. So I didn't get invited back. No. <laughs> he was like, uh, I'm trying to fill the freezer. You're going to stay at home for the deer hunting part. But I was always welcome to go chase the dogs. Um, <laughs> so that was the first time I really went hunting. And of course, we would like squirrel hunt in the backyard with a BB gun. <laughs> one of the best stories. Um, my cousin was shooting squirrels with the BB gun and he went to go pick one up and it actually came back alive in his hand. And oh my that gosh. thing jumped like a spider monkey onto his face. And I've never seen a 16 year old boy scream so loud. <laughs> oh my God. It was fantastic. <laughs> oh my God. I, I can't like, even imagine. Yeah. I was the youngest of like six grandkids and I got picked on a lot because I was always the cry baby. <laughs> and like I'd get left outside during hide and go seek and things like that so watching that squirrel like attack his face really made my life you're like revenge <laughs> yes yeah, so I was like this is karma at its finest <laughs> I love it so Jerry <laughs> you are now you are this avid outdoors woman and you are like out waterfowl hunting and deer hunting and all this stuff now what does your seasons look like for you now so now it is much crazier. I killed my first deer when I was like 21. After that, I kind of tapered off and kind of lost how much I enjoyed it. And then when I was uh, 26 or 27, I started deer hunting again, like on my own, just to get out there and do it. And wasn't very successful. I think I killed one little, another little small buck, buck with my bow. And then one of my friends said, hey, you want to go duck hunting with us? And I was like, well, I don't have anything else to do. Yeah, I do. That'd be really cool. And he was, I was like, um, what all do I need? And he started naming off all these things. Like you need waiters and all this stuff. And I was like, I have muck boots, pants, and <laughs> I'm not sure what else I need. He's like, you're good. Just get, get your shotgun, get some shells and come on. We'll, we'll make sure you're taken care of. And, um, and I remember we were hunting public land in Tennessee and which is not great like southern middle Tennessee public land not great and it's kind of stemmed from there into me hunting every waking minute of season pretty much so normally we start in North Dakota I did miss it this year unfortunately that broke my heart because that's one of my favorite places to hunt in the entire world is North Dakota we'll start in North Dakota and then I'll normally hunt Kansas with some friends Missouri with some friends and then come back down to Arkansas um, I kind of just gave up on like Tennessee because once you come to Arkansas for the first time after hunting southern middle Tennessee you're like okay that's not where it's at you live in Arkansas now right yes so I just kind of picked up and moved when I was how old was I 29 28 29 I recently separated and came to my first Arkansas duck hunt on one of the girls hunts and fell in love with it and went back to Tennessee for another year and was sitting there and that next season one of my best friends actually owns the guide service that I went for the first time and Scotty Lehman he's fantastic um he owns the Elk River Outdoors or Elk River Outfitters sorry and he was like you couldn't you're welcome to come out anytime run the camera and hunt and just he has taught me 
more than I could have ever asked somebody to. He has been the best mentor and just friend, just best friend that I could have ever asked for. So he's given me a lot of opportunity to work my camera in it, figure out what I need to do there. And then just teaching me so much about hunting. And now, yeah, now I'm just kind of like a little public land junkie. (laughs) (laughs) So are are you still working with him doing your camera work and everything? Yeah, I'll go up and help him a few times a season. And especially if he's got any clients that are wanting any camera work done, I'll go up to Northeast Arkansas. It's about a two hour drive for me now. So it's not bad. It's much better than a six hour drive from Tennessee to Arkansas. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, I'll go through run the camera for him some. Um, he's actually, I go to North Dakota with, we do a fa- friends and family hunt. So that's who I go to North Dakota with is all of them. And right now, I think they're on their way back from New Mexico hunting elk and antelope. Oh, that's awesome. That's yes. a good so, hunt. I've been crazy busy with work lately, so I had to miss both of those. Well, and so a lot of a lot of people like outside looking in that look at your social media might not realize like a lot of people think that, you know, myself included in this is like they think that we hunt full time for a living. But in all reality, you have a full time job. Yes. Yes, I do. I work Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then most of the time longer than that because I am on salary. <laughs> <laughs> what is it that you do? Um, I am a supervisor for an insurance company for long-term services and supports. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we're kind of transitioning right now. I was over customer service and screening, and now it's kind of phasing that out. And I'm going to be over authorizations, which it's not going to make a whole lot of sense to anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, completely understand that. I work for a hospital system, and I do prior authorizations for a men clinic. So yep. <laughs> completely understand where you're coming from. You're like the the opposite side of the perspe- the spectrum of what I do. So it's kind of neat um, meeting other women. And it seems like a lot of us outdoors women are um, in the medical field. And a, a lot of times we got girls that we don't really showcase what they do for a living. Um, and I think it's because you have so much of a passion for the outdoors that if you're going to showcase something, it's what you're passionate about, right? Not that you're not good at your job, not that you don't care about it, but like, it's just a different type of passion. Mm -hmm. And I know like as an outsider looking into like your profiles and everything and your presence on social media, people probably think that this is what you do for a living, but unfortunately passion doesn't pay the bills. So until then, this is like a hobby for you that you're out there on the evenings and the weekends doing your photography, doing your hunting, and just being an, a huge contributor to the outdoors. Yeah, and it it is kind of crazy how many people think I do do photography, just solely photography. And I'm like, no, hunting season is only generally from September until about February, maybe March, April, if I'm doing turkeys. So, and all of my stuff for photography is pretty much in waterfowl so I've got 60 days pretty much to make any kind of money that I'm making off of photography so no I gotta I work corporate America to pay the bills and pay for my expensive hobbies yeah it's um it's difficult because like you you want to get out there all the time and then you just you got to be an adult sometimes whoever decided to make us adults you know yeah I am very very lucky like I get a lot of PTO (laughs) 
because I've been with my company for a little over seven years now. And I think I get right at like five and a half, almost six weeks of PTO. And I hoard that like a squirrel <laughs> with for hunting season. So my boss was like, you need these many days off this close together. And I was like, yes, because we yes, don't please. have a payout. <laughs> yes, we don't have a payout. I have to use it or I lose it. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's fantastic though. Are they super supporting of what you do in the outdoors? Yes, actually my, my manager now, um, whenever I first started at the company that I work with, um, my manager is actually the one who gave me advice on buying my first camera. So oh, she awesome. is, she is always bragging about me and like being so supportive of my photography stuff. And she's like, I helped grow this. So it's really cute. She was talking awesome. about it today on a meeting. So what is, what is some of the hunts that you do photography for? We'll go ahead and dive into your photography and, and what you do and how you do it and everything. Yeah. So my photography stuff is all under wild lawn outdoors. Um, I was actually sitting there scrolling through a name for my business a few years ago. And one of my buddies, Logan Sampson, he was like, he said something to me and he said, okay, wild one. And I was like, that's it. You just yeah. named me. Um, so wild one outdoors kind of took off and I started chasing birds like every waking second, um, birds and dogs which the dogs wasn't anything new to me. Been chasing dogs for a long time. Um, just a different kind of dogs, a different kind of setting. And started out in the rice fields and things like that up in the flooded fields in Northeast Arkansas with Elk River. And then, which I think they've rebranded and they're legacy fowlers now. I just thought about that. Um, but then kind of started getting invited like my my social media and things started getting a little more recognition and people were like hey come hunt with me and I was like okay I'll go meet a stranger at 4 a.m. <laughs> on, a, on a boat ramp and with nothing but a shotgun some plastic ducks and a dog sure that sounds like a great idea my mom's <laughs> terrified <laughs> um in one of those hunts uh was my first flooded timber hunt and that was with Robert Colsa and Ashley calls it his wife and they're fantastic people. And that's probably one of my favorite hunts ever because I don't think I cut a feather that entire hunt. And I actually sat the camera down and Robert's wife, Ashley picked it up and Robert managed to call in like a pack of 60 mallards, 60 green heads, just straight dropping down into the timber. And this is the first time I've ever experienced anything like that. And I was draw, jaw to the water, like just mesmerized watching these ducks drop in. And he called the shot and I never, I don't even think I picked up my gun until after he was done shooting. And I remembered, <laughs> oh crap, I'm supposed to be shooting. But that was kind of what kicked off the obsession with like flooded timber and just Arkansas hunting. Yeah, that's, I, th I feel like with all the women's hunts that we've done with Women of the Wild, that's one thing that I've noticed with women is when they're, um, when they're first getting into something, they truly immerse themselves in the experience. And I know like one year we did a crane hunt down in Texas and we had a couple thousand crane coming over top of us. Like the sky was 
darkened out and it was ear piercingly loud. And some of the girls never even picked their guns up because they were just so, like you said, mesmerized with what they were seeing. And it was like, oh my gosh, I was supposed to be shooting. And we just, it's something kind of neat about women that we absorb it in a different way that like men are like, yes, gung ho. And you get there as a woman, but for the first time, and I just feel like it, it feeds such a large passion that typically when a woman starts doing something, they like, they're all in, like, there's no, (laughs) there's no sticking your toe in. It's like a damn cannonball. And, um, it's funny because that's, that's typically the story that we hear from women is that, you know, I started and, and this happened and that there's always that one moment during a hunt that, and it's with men and women that there's like that one thing that like resides so deep within them that this is where it started for me. So did you, were you doing photography at that point in time? Yes, I was. Um, so initially, like I started out doing like the photography for family stuff and things like that. And then I came on my first hunt in Arkansas up in Northeast. And I was actually hunting um, with some of my friends and they were running Boykins. That was the first time I'd ever saw Boykins manuals. I only had my phone with me. I, like I didn't even think to take my camera because, you know, I'd, I'd never taken my camera on a hunt or anything like that. And I pulled my phone out and I caught like this really great picture of this little boykin bringing back a big old mallard right in the sunrise. And that's when it kind of like clicked for me of, hey, I love photography. I love hunting. Why am I not doing both? Right. And that's kind of like where that was born and took off was from that one little picture. I think I have a cup of it somewhere. Like I have it printed on a cup. And I love that low quality picture but that's the one that like started it all well yeah with a passion for hunting and dogs and photography it all just kind of comes together ducks and and you're so good at it like your photography is phenomenal for those listeners um check her out on on facebook instagram wild one photography it's you even have tiktok and everything it is it's fantastic imagery and it's inspirational You've even, I believe, was it Ashley Barda's photo that you had um, submitted for a magazine competition? Yeah, several of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was, I, I think I reposted one this morning. That was actually last year, this weekend, or maybe last weekend, that that hunt was. And we had the most perfect sunrise. And I was just taking those pictures and I didn't even realize how fantastic they were going to be until I started editing And I started going through and editing and I was like, oh my gosh, like I knew it was pretty, but I didn't realize like what I was getting. And that's one of my favorite things is, is taking the pictures and then going back and seeing what I've got and I'll get, I'll get completely like entrapped in editing for hours and hours and you just can't talk to me or anything. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But yeah, one of those, one, I think two of those, one Gundog Outdoors photo competitions they've been entered into delta a few times that's a really big competition though so I'm not surprised I have not won that yeah Um, I saw that last year that you guys had entered in for the delta um, waterfowl competition with that photo of of it was Ashley Barta and her dog mm -hmm, Jake and it was it's a spectacular photo like it captures so much of the essence of duck hunting in just that one image. And 
it's just, it's really neat. Um, as a photographer myself, like I can respect what you're doing and how you're getting and how many shots it takes to get that perfect photo. But when sunrises or sunsets line up and you have like dogs are, when you have a good photogenic dog, it's just so <laughs> much fun and you can't help but keep clicking that camera. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'll go through five batteries in a morning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not, I've always had that struggle of like, um, I see other photographers and they're like, click, 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 click. I am that person that like, I wait for that shot. Like I might end up with like, when I went to Africa, I brought, I want to say like five SD cards with me and I didn't even fill one. And then when I got back, I like regretted it that I'm not that like clicker type of person. Like I'm very much like settle in. There's like one or two images of that one thing and it better have been good. Cause if not, I didn't get it. <laughs> That's what I struggled with at the beginning was trying to wait for that shot and then I would miss it a lot or something would be off like my aperture would be off or and something would be off my shutter speed was off and it was a little blurry and I I got into the habit of just take the picture and you can sort it out later um I think the morning of that hunt we were just talking about I think I took around four or five hundred shots which I don't even think I actually ran a battery down, but when the dogs line up and the birds line up and the sunrises and sunsets, there's just really nothing that can beat it. So what is your, what is your favorite bird you've ever captured on photo? Oh, photo, photo, photo. One of my favorite photos I've had has been of um, one of my favorite dogs on the planet, Avery Jean. Um, carrying back to Mallard, it was one of the first one, like the first season that I've really spent the whole season out here in Arkansas. She brought this Mallard back. It was a cloudy day. So my lighting was perfect. And it like you caught the water speckles coming back and she's just looking so serious. I love that picture of that Mallard and her. I do have a really cute picture of Darla bringing a coot back because <sighs> don't judge me. Sometimes we shoot coots when there's no birds. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Everybody loves a good coot shoot. <laughs> I it, that was a photo I got a bunch of backlash for this year as a we posted a with my photography business we posted a single coot photo of it like walking and everybody's <laughs> like all these birds and that's what you're gonna showcase and I'm like that's they're still a spectacular bird and they're cool like they have the if nobody's ever seen a coot foot please look it up um to the listeners <laughs> out there that you might not know what a coot is it's c-o-o-t look up their feet they are the coolest things on this planet um, but they, then they got those red eyes and those white beaks and they're just, they're just kind of neat animals. And the way they don't actually like fly, they just kind of pop across the water. Like they'll fly, but they don't go far. Well, and I mean, they're beautiful animals and they're spectacular to watch. They're terrible. So I'm all about coot shoots. Um, for those that don't know, coots are big nest raiders. Um, so they're they're invading and and taking into like duck nests and things like that and it's it's prolonging any type of duck efforts that are out there because they are nest raiders um but those coot shoots are so much fun they're really <laughs> great we use them a lot for kids um getting them intro to waterfowl because they're a little bit easier to hunt um they're typically like right when that sun starts to break they're already coming into the spread and they don't like you said they almost don't 
they don't fly in they kind of like swim into it and then they'll do that like little putter up off the top of the water so they're a little bit slower than a duck especially like here we do diver ducks but coots mm-hmm. are a fun bird to hunt they just don't go far once they do get up and they generally come back too yes yeah they're not very i don't know if it's an intelligence thing but i'm gonna go with they're not very intelligent because they're they'll you will you'll shoot into a group of them and they'll come right back in 20 minutes but i absolutely love everything you're doing and your photography is just absolutely stellar um and you do more than waterfowl you've had some deer photos and things like that that i've seen and is it something that anyone can reach out to you if they wanted to to have you out on a hunt with them or anything like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've started like kind of moving over towards the videography side, trying my hand at it. Of course, photography is what's got my heart. And so trying to move towards like a videography side, but it is a whole different world. Like it's been a lot more than what I expected um, my friend Jesse Groton has been a fantastic mentor for like the videography stuff and she takes time to teach me um, but yeah the, the photography stuff if you're wanting pictures taken before after during a hunt um, just to like memorize I've got there's one big group of guys that does father and son hunts every year down here in Stuttgart and I got to go out and d- I did like a two-minute film and then did photography through their whole hunt and I got some of the best pictures. And that's like what it's all about is seeing the kids love it, capturing those moments. And that's something they're never going to forget. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the youth hunts to be able to get out and go like we do a lot of those for pheasant hunts with Women of the Wild is we we do a lot of the, the youth style hunting um, and capturing those photos or like being just present during those hunts is so much fun. Mm hmm. That's one of my favorite things of getting like the kids out or getting um, women out who have never done it before. Like I've dragged some of my friends out and just people who have reached out to me and been interested in it that have never got to do it, but think it looks really cool. Like mm-hmm. some of my friends from the will reach out to me and be like, Hey, can we do this? I'm like, absolutely. Just be ready to throw a paycheck down. <laughs> <laughs> I love, so where no. can our listeners find you for your photography other than um, the wild do you have anything like online for them to find you I don't have a site or anything up I do everything off socials pretty much um, okay I kind of took a step back a little bit from it last year because I just got my dog back from the trainer and things did not go as planned so I kind of took a step back last year and backed off of like the business side of it a little bit to work with her and get her where she needed to be and we're good to go now though so I'm gonna kind of dive head first and go into it this year um I haven't even thought about getting the website up I really do need to do that <laughs> yes yes you do that your photos are beautiful and um so as we mentioned earlier if anyone wants to get in contact with you about a, a hunt or get their photos or videography done it's that wild one photography on Facebook Instagram We're going to roll into a short break and hear from our sponsors, and we'll be back to hear more about Jerry Joe. 
Share your love of the outdoors with your little ones through the exciting adventures in Dr. Josh Farr's children's books. As an avid sportsman, Dr. Josh Farr has taken his passion for the outdoors and uses his vivid storytelling to teach valuable lessons and appreciation of the world. Learn the alphabet through the ABCs of hunting. Find joy in exploring the outdoors with Let's Go Out and Play and more. You and your child will love learning about nature with Dr. Josh Farr. See all of his books now at drjoshfarr.com. That's D-R-J-O-S-H-F-A-R-R.com. Weeby Knives, a brand of skinning, fleshing, and butchering knives perfect for the hunters, trappers, and fishermen with a unique high-quality knife for animals of all shapes and sizes. You can find them and more information at WeebyKnives.com or on Facebook, Instagram. Stonehouse Digital Consulting, elevate your small business with Stonehouse's expert marketing solutions. Ignite your online presence and thrive with a tailored strategy to drive your growth. You can find them and more information at StonehouseDigitalConsulting.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Livingston County Pheasants Forever, Chapter 465. With a mission to conserve pheasant, quail, and other wildlife through habitat improvements, public access, education, and conservation. You can contribute by joining the meetings on the first Thursday of every month at 7 p.m. at the Howell American Legion Hall on the corner of M59 and Grand River. For more information and to get involved, you can find them at pf465.com or on Facebook, Instagram. Dreamcatcher Charters, a Michigan-based guide service for walleye, sturgeon, and duck hunting with a passion that drives their success, sharing the phenomenal Michigan waterways with everyone. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram. Feather Moon Outdoors, offering calls made from select materials. Every pot is fine-tuned in the house using the highest quality materials available. Also offering diaphragm, slate, glass, grunt calls, and more. For more information, you can find them at feathermooneoutdoors.com or on Facebook, Instagram. Stay tuned, more podcasts to come. Welcome back to Women of the Wild podcast. We are here today speaking with Jerry Joe from Arkansas. And Jerry, we were just diving into your photography and how spectacular your photos are and everything. But I would love to flip the conversation back into hunting and with how diverse you are, especially in the waterfowl world, to hear some of your experiences and some of your hunts, what you're doing out there with women and just you as an individual out there crushing the outdoors. I would love to hear more about that side of you. I do a little bit of everything. I love the field hunting. I love the timber hunting. Um, the boat races are everything that everybody chops them up to be their intense, especially Arkansas public land. But now I kind of skedaddle. I really want to go chase the full migration and start up in Saskatchewan one day and come down. But the farthest north I've been so far has been North Dakota. About, uh, I think I've been like 10 foot from the border and wow. did not cross it. Kind of disappointed <laughs> myself for not doing it, but... Um, so starting like up there, um, North Dakota is probably the happiest place on earth to me. I know everybody says, uh, Disneyland is or Disney world is whichever one it is. Um, I've never been to those and I just foresee a need to, cause I think I've already found my happiest place on earth. And it now is what is your, your favorite bird? And no doubt. <laughs> North Dakota. Um, what is your, what's your favorite <laughs> bird to hunt up there? We just had a, the, the way that the juvie mallards work in is fantastic. The widgeons were cool. The pintails were cool. Um, we got on a really cool snow goose hunt. That was really neat. That was my first. That was my first morning there, and I drove like 
I think it took me like 28 hours to get up there and drove through the night, like started one day, went through a whole other day and got there just at shooting light. Um, I hit a deer on the way in, in my truck. (laughs) Um, It was actually a little buck and I watched his antlers fly off um, and I definitely stopped and grabbed a savage tag for that. And it was almost late to the duck hole. But that was the first morning was that speck hunt, or not speck hunt, the snow goose hunt. Um, just they're fresh birds. That was my first time ever really getting to hunt fresh birds. Ones that aren't gun shy or aren't call shy. The way they just came straight into the decoys, straight into the hole with little to no persuasion. It was beautiful watching them cup up in that wind that was coming in and just maple leaf it's something I got a little like clip of it on film and this one wasn't even a massive group the one that I got on film um but just the way they came in was perfect and watching on maple leaf like that I've never really got to film up close like in your face doing that that was one of those moments I don't think it's ever gonna like leave my brain yeah, birds maple leafing, if that doesn't get you excited in waterfowl, <laughs> you're in the wrong sport. Um, for our listeners that don't know what maple leafing is, it's when birds start to decrease their altitude and it's like a really quick way for them. So they start doing this thing in the air where they'll like pivot and, and flip. And it's really cool when they start getting really like when they're trying to drop that altitude and they start flipping a lot. But it's a really neat thing. And that's when you know a bird is like full on committed because if a bird's cupped up and they're coming in, they could still change their night their mind. If they start maple leafing, they're coming in and they're dropping altitude quick. So it's it's a really great thing to experience. And in my opinion, probably yours too. It's one of the best things to see that is when that maple leafing starts to happen. Yes, yes, absolutely. But no, North Dakota definitely, definitely one of the happiest places on earth and, I love it and, yeah just seeing like a group of juvie mallards just circle and circle and circle and then land in a dry field like that was one of the craziest and most fantastic things I've ever experienced was dry field hunting because I didn't have to wade through anything one mm-hmm. that was nice <laughs> um I didn't have to worry about falling down because that normally happens at like at least twice a season <laughs> is falling into the water I'm clumsy um so that's that was really nice too that was a different experience um I was just gonna go into like hunting Missouri I've hunted Grand Pass Missouri that was pretty cool that was a spoony beatdown I was kind of not expecting that but it was a spoony beatdown and I was not mad at it I love it so what um (laughs) you do ducks you do geese like Mm -hmm. is what is there any bucket list bird that you're still looking to get out there and chase I really want an eider. I think that's on everybody's. The everybody's king's common, probably kings and commons. Mainly the kings. I just, I want one on the wall. I, weird fact about me, I still don't have anything mounted. I don't know if it was like just the way Papa instilled it me that we, we hunt for meat and we don't hunt for sport. And then I've become like a really big duck hunter and there's not a whole lot of meat, but it is really good. Um, but I still don't have anything mounted. And that I just surprises want, me. Yeah, I I want the first thing that I do break down and get mounted to be really really special. 
So I've already got my first band. That was a snow goose and during conservation season two years ago, three years ago. That was a cool experience. That was in Northeast Arkansas. And I, that was a solo hunt too. So I was out by myself. That's the best to get a band though. Cause you don't have, there's no fighting over who shot it. And it, you know, it's yours. It's so nice. Yeah. That couldn't have been any more special. Um, unfortunately it was a little too warm and the bird didn't keep um, before I could get it in the cool. So mm-hmm. you have the band though. Um, so what I'm- was the information on the band that bird um, for the listeners that don't know, do you want to explain to them what banding is and um, like the information on that band? Yeah, so birds are banded to kind of track where they're going, where they're migrating, how old they are. Um, They're banded in one place. And then when you shoot a bird with a band, you take that number or ID or tracker, whatever is on the, however the bird's banded or marked and put it into the registry. And they'll send you a certificate back with all the information about where the bird was banded, an estimated year of when or how old the bird was banded and when it was banded. And it's just really neat information to be able to kind of see how far that bird's traveled. Um, And the bird that I shot was a 10-year-old snow goose banded in Saskatchewan. So he was a good migrator. He came all the way from Saskatchewan to Northeast Arkansas. That's my favorite part about those banded birds. Like, I don't care who shot it. I don't need the band. I just want the information. Tracking that, that migration pattern of them is the coolest. Um, mm-hmm. I had a, a Canada goose one year. This was quite a few, it was probably two, three years ago. Um, it was early season. So it's, you know, and I'm in Michigan, so it's, it's hot. It's, it's really hot outside. Like, I think we were hunting in tank tops and it was just myself and one of my really good friends. And we were out hunting, um, the edge of a cornfield. So we were in the corn and, the birds had landed on one side of the field and he had gone over there to kind of bust them out. So that way they didn't continue to land over there. And I was on the opposite side of the field and I had a group of birds come over and I actually shot a black band from Northern Canada and it had only been banded like 28 days before I shot it. So that migrator had already started coming down right after it got banded. And it was, it didn't have an age because it was banded as an adult. But I was like, man, that's like the coolest thing ever. And it it was neat because it was my first band that was a black band, which they just started doing. Mm-hmm. But for those who haven't gotten a band yet, like, or are in a, on a hunt and someone gets one, like, make sure that you're putting that into the registry and you're finding out that travel pattern of that bird. Because it's really awesome to watch that pattern and that migration of those birds and see the dates, how old they are. My son got a nine-year-old residential last year and he was, it was a Canada and banded like, I, I think less than just like five miles from where it was shot, but a nine-year-old residential bird, that means that's a smart bird to outlive yeah. nine seasons um, before it's finally taken. That's so neat. Like, especially with like the black bands, like, I like how they started doing that because they started turning on black that way. They were having such an issue of people like scoping out the birds and poaching the birds because those silver bands stick out so bad on their black legs. And now the black really helps blend that in and kind of protect the bird from being like sniped out. Right. Yeah. Those jewelry hunters are out there, um, Mm -hmm. you know, 
they're out scouting birds and they're looking for those bands. And then they, they, like you said, single those birds out. And it's, the black bands are really neat. They're kind of hard. You, you can't pick them out in the sky. Um, I have not ever identified one in the sky and I definitely seen silver before, but never a black band while they're flying. And even once we, like when I went out to collect my birds, I didn't even notice it was banded. I didn't even know black banding was a thing. That's how fresh it was. And I got it back and I set it down next to me and it, it just like caught my eye or my hand or something. And I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> and my buddy was like, no way. That's awesome. Like coolest thing. And we started looking it up and it, it was so fresh that it wasn't even in the registry yet. That is wild. Have yeah. you ever got a collar or anything? I have never... I've never even seen a collared bird other than on in photos um, and all the hunts and all the groups that I've done. That's one that I've never seen. I know we have a girl on staff, Megan Lockwood, who she actually got a bird last year. Um, their group went out for Brant's out on the East coast. And I think they had one that was like double or triple banded with it, a collar and the e-tracker on it and everything. Like, oh, that would have been so cool. Oh yeah. Like she has one mounted with the tracker on it and everything like that. It's like the coolest thing. And it's a brand too, which is a, just an yes. awesome goose. Like that's, if you're a goose hunter, brands are like the top of the list. Um, yeah. And now to the final segment to this week's episode of women of the wild podcast, we will conclude this segment by thanking our closing sponsors. Stay tuned for more of this week's episode after this short word from our sponsors. Muzzy Pheasant Farms, a mid-Michigan family-owned and operated pheasant game preserve that is open year-round. Muzzy offers educational courses and hunts. They are family-oriented, creating a great opportunity for new and seasoned upland hunters. With no membership required, come hunt with Muzzy Pheasant Farms. You can find more information at muzzypheasantfarms.com or check them out on Facebook and Instagram. Blast and Cast Guide Service is a veteran-owned and operated Michigan-based guide service for the Great Lakes. With decades of experience of fishing and waterfowl, they ensure a safe and enjoyable trip every time. You can check them out at blastingcastguideservice.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Ultimate Veteran Adventures. UVA offers outdoor therapy, recreation, and camaraderie through hunting and fishing adventures around the country for veterans, active duty military, Gold Star families, and first responders. You can find them at Ultimate Veteran Adventures. You can find them at ultimateveteranadventures.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Sawmill Creek Bait and Lures, a husband and wife owned and operated company, the home of the C4, one of the best trapping canine lures on the market. You can find them at sawmillcreekbaitandlures.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Wicked 7 Outdoors, a Southwest Texas outfitter guide service with an exceptional care and quality of backcountry mountain hunts for free range audad. Also offering high fence and low fence exotics, come immerse yourself in the outdoor experience. You can find Wicked 7 Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram. Misguided Outdoors is a female-driven Michigan-based guide service offering turkey and waterfowl hunts. Misguided is focused on educating women and youth providing a hands-on hunt experience for all ages. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. We thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. So what, what is like your bucket list aside from an eider? Cause that one's kind of like, I don't want to say unachievable. It's just a harder one to get. 
what is what are some of the birds you already have checked off are you working towards the grand slam or do you have more that you're working towards I don't really have a grand slam or anything that I'm working towards um I do really 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 want uh what is it Eurasian wood duck Mm -hmm. they're so pretty to me I I do like the wood ducks the wood ducks are beautiful um to me and then the way that they are the little Eurasians are so pretty and then um I've already checked off my cotton top. That was actually the first bird that I shot last season. And that was kind of wild because I was not expecting to see a widgeon, one, that early, two, and with all these gaddies. <laughs> and, like, we were sitting there talking, and the guys had pretty much either gotten close to limited out or they were getting ready to leave. And this one bird, like, was flying over the top of us. And I was like, hey, shoot that bird, shoot that bird. And nobody pulled up. And I finally waited for it to get in my shooting lane. And we were just hunting on the bank. And I pulled up and folded it in one shot. And that was like the first time because I was running the camera most of um, the first opening day last year. I I folded him. And I was like, yes, (laughs) got it. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, So I got him last year. You really just... Where as much as I'm in like the rice fields and in timber, you really don't see widgeon a whole, whole lot down here. I don't even, I think we got one widgeon hen in North Dakota one time. I just, I haven't had a whole, whole lot of variety. Like I've killed more pintails than probably on half of America's bucket list. Like right. I had no, I've had no problem getting the pintails. Um like, so you want to hear something funny uh, about that? Yes. I've never shot a wood duck. You've never shot a wood duck? Nope. A wood duck is the one bird that has, like, with all of the birds that I've shot, a wood duck is the one that has eluded me every time. And, like, I've literally gone wood duck hunting and shot anything else. But, like, <laughs> I, I've never, I, I say it's, like, a bad juju. So, like, now I'm at the point where, like, I'm okay with my perfect Drake wood duck being, like, the last duck I shoot because of how hard I've hunted it. And it's, I have that luck with hunting. Like, when I go to Africa, or the Gems buck, I've chased it for two years. And it eludes me every time. So, it's one of those ones where it's, like, you know, it's okay if I don't get it. We're just, that's going to be, like, that final slam or something. But it's funny that that's the bird that is on, like, like how you were saying with the pintails, which Arkansas has some of the best pintails I've ever seen, especially like that late season with those sprigs. Mm-hmm. My son got one in February um, during the Veteran Youth Weekend this past year. And it was like it put any bird pintail here in Michigan that I've ever seen to shame. So you yeah, you definitely have like the the prim, primo pintails where you're at. Yeah, and the way that you're seeing a whole lot more of like the double sprigs recently too has been really neat. So that's definitely watching them kind of grow from just a single sprig to having the big, pretty double sprigs off the back. Um, it's crazy to me that you don't have one of those mounted. <laughs> it was one of those that I didn't realize how special it was, I guess, because I, I was just out here duck hunting. I was, right. I was in duck. <laughs> and then like after a while it just kind of lost its 
like they're very frustrating to hunt <laughs> I don't you've hunted them down here but like they're they're very aggravating they'll normally like circle once work around once and then work around twice that makes you question should I shoot uh and then you're like okay no we're gonna give them one more pass and then they circle up and they're yep. gone <laughs> every yep. single time Every yeah, I learned time. that's a question when they when they're in shooting range, and that's one thing I've learned down there is like you can't question that next pass that they come through if they're within shooting range. You're pulling the trigger. Yes, and they're they're very they're they're vain. Um, I don't know. I guess it's kind of like one of those things. Like if you're in the northeast region, like of the country, like up in what is that? Uh, Massachusetts and Vermont and over on the co- eastern coast you don't really question seeing black ducks much mm-hmm. but to me if I got a black duck I would probably uh, flood my waders from the inside <laughs> <laughs> so I, w- I would start crying and, and probably be a little and I would be over the moon excited I don't I so I, don't know, I guess that's just kind of my set my mindset on pintails it's no, just one of be a lot of those black ducks though, they're, they're beautiful. We get them up here in Michigan, but you're like where you're at, you have such a beautiful flyway in Arkansas. Every place has like their thing, right? Like you guys have a ton of pintail. You guys get a great migration you have those flooded rice fields. You guys get goose season. We were down there for the female veteran waterfowl hunt last year. We did female veterans and youth and it was crazy because there's geese like everywhere and (laughs) it was mind-blowing to me because we don't get snow geese up here really no like we shot a Ross gosh two or three years ago we were out in the group that we were hunting with had (laughs) it was really funny because we don't get snow geese here like in where I'm at like at all and this bird this white bird comes over while we're out Canada goose hunting we were all like oh my god a snow shot it and drops one of our buddies goes and gets it and (laughs) it picks it up and it's a Ross and we posted photos of it and instantly I got like a bunch of messages like where are you hunting where did you get that and it was like 20 minutes from my house and everybody that was in this area was like blown away by something like that happening but I do feel in the last like I would say two years we've been seeing more of that like we just had two brants shot on our Saginaw Bay just last weekend that's impressive now like I guess that's one of those things because y'all have a a big migration of like the Canada geese and down here pretty much if we see Canada geese they're resident right well and the other thing so like we've hunted Texas a lot and even down in Arkansas we have the greater Canada's it's not very frequent that we see even lessers or cacklers or anything like that here Um, we don't typically see snows we don't don't hardly ever see specks. So the, it's when someone's getting into waterfowl, know that if you're chasing a certain species, like be mindful of what region you're hunting in because it's not across the board. And like you were saying with like Widgeon, Gadwall, you know, even the black ducks, like certain things are going to be more prevalent in certain areas. So just be mindful of that when you're booking your next hunt, that if you're seeking a certain species, do it where they're most prevalent at. Yes. 110 percent and 
I know I've had uh, people come out to hunt with me specifically wanting like the pintails or wanting Arkansas timber mallards because generally by the time they get down here they're fully plumed and like just pretty as green heads and watching them drop through the timber so there's definitely specifics to look for in each region y'all have the big are y'all's Canada geese as big as the ones out in Washington oh or gosh girl I'll, I'll send you some of the photos I've put geese on the ground that'll put a turkey to shame that's so crazy like I want to come so bad and I've come been, on I finally got my my first Canada goose last year and it was a lesser or I guess cacklers um during late season last year down in Texas I actually went with Ashley Barta and um Chelsea Falcon two fantastic mm-hmm. men but Ashley invited me out to go with them an outfitter on a hunt that she won and that was really, really neat. It was kind of a hot mess of a trip. My gun jammed the first day. I had the whole thing tore apart in my little layout blind. And, and it was it was just a hot mess. But I did get my first Canada. And that was really a really neat experience. Just They do work differently. Oh, absolutely. Next September, you need to plan it and come up here. And we'll put you on some greater Canadas. Bet. I'm so- down for- Let's dive into your setup for waterfowl. What um what shotgun do you use? So shotgun wise, I'd shoot a Browning Maxis Wicked Wing 12 gauge. Um, I that is also one of those things that I didn't realize what I had when I first got it. <laughs> um, I was just kind of buying things, <laughs> and like that came across my radar, and I was like, yeah, I like that one, and bought it, and I I bought a really good gun. <laughs> Yes, you did. That is a very nice firearm. I I was one of those, like, I jumped into it not realizing, like, what exactly I was getting into. I just started buying everything that I was going to need. And I wasn't really looking for top of the line anything. I was just like, that'll work. That'll work. And I actually bought it used off of one of my friends. And he was like, 800 bucks. And I was like, bet, I've got that. And gave him 800 bucks for it. And so yeah, I don't I guess he was just really, really nice to me. <laughs> that's that's a nice uh, gun to have, shotgun. What are you using for shells and everything? Do you um, have a specific brand you kind of cater towards? A lot of the times it's just kind of a concoction of whatever lands in my bag. Um mm-hmm. I really like the boss shells. They're mm-hmm. very expensive. Um, but I do really like boss shells. So they're yeah, they I'm- are worth it. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Boss. A lot of people say you don't need it. And for the listeners that are maybe inexperienced with waterfowl, um, you have to use non-toxic shot. What that means is you have to use steel shot. You can't use lead. Boss is, it's a Michigan-based company, so it's I'm a big fan of Boss. But um, they're copper-plated bismuth. They shoot like lead, but they're a non-toxic shot. So they are a little bit more expensive. There's only like, what, 20 rounds in a box. But I agree with you. That's who I typically lean towards. Um, Not to say that I haven't had other brands kind of land in my bag sometimes, especially when we went through the quote unquote shortages. Mm -hmm. It was whatever you could find on the shelves. If I got a hunt, I'm not going to be brand specific if I need ammo tomorrow. Now, do you have preference when you're hunting geese per ducks of what shot size you like to use? Yeah, if I'm shooting geese, especially like the bigger geese, and just depending on what setting we're going to be in, I'm pretty much going to use BB or one, um, maybe two uh, for ducks. 
I like three shot. So, and then either three inch or three and a half because I'm not opposed to blasting something with three and a half at all. So, why not use it if you got it? <laughs> yeah, when I first when I first started in waterfowl, I was all hell bent on using three and a halfs, and now now I stick with the Boss three five stack load, uh, yeah. two and three quarter. I'm like I'm a hundred pounds soaking wet, so it's for me it's that what how hard a shotgun rocks me. I use the Winchester SX four, and I prefer gas over inertia firearms. Um, mm-hmm. So. Being a smaller framed, I've had issues in the past with inertia, um, not recycling and my gun jamming. And I actually had a Stoger down in Oklahoma a few years ago. I was down there with Colleen. Um, she goes by the duck lady. And I had a bunch of girls from Louisiana and my my shotgun seized up on me in a sandstorm while we were hunting sandhill cranes. And I was like devastated. And my Gila, the, the guide with Runamuck Outdoors was down in Oklahoma and we were doing the cranes with him and he's like girl just take my gun there's no bead on it but she shoots true and I was like oh my like worst possible scenario right I'm after my dream bird and my gun's jammed and now I got a shotgun with no bead on it (laughs) and uh after that and that issue I was like all right I'm done with inertia I'm done with stoger and I I swapped over the browning wicked wing was one that it it was definitely high on the list, but I ended up going with the um going with a gas gun and going with the Winchester SX4. And I found that there's certain shells that don't really work well. Like I love Migra shells as long as it's not being shot through a Winchester. So I swapped back to Boss and that 3.5 stack load is pretty much a lot of the some of the companies are starting to do more of that, that stack load. I prefer that. And I prefer the yeah. copper. Um, I've shot some tungsten, which I really liked as well, but it's, it's all preference and it's price range. Um, heavy shots, great. And it, it's all just kind of, like you said, it's what falls into your, what lines up and falls in the bag and what you can find sometimes. Yeah. But I agree, I agree with you. Um, I am through and through, if I'm not using boss, I use BB on geese and I typically use twos or fours on ducks. Um, just because, and typically I'll have both in my bag. Cause you don't know, um, we did a hunt last <laughs> year in Texas or this year in January, um, 2023, we went down to Texas. We were in Lubbock with open plains outdoors and <laughs> the outfitter and I were talking about all the cranes and everything. And the reservoir that all the cranes were in the night before he's like, girl, you want to do ducks and geese? Because I have a ton. So I asked the girls, I said, I know we're here for cranes, but do you guys want a chance at ducks and geese? And it was hands down across the board. The girls were like, yes. Well, we ended (laughs) up shooting an 11 man limit of geese in like two and a half hours. And we had, I want to say six or seven girls who were like new to waterfowl and some who had never even shot a shotgun. So to me, that was super impressive, but I had warned them like, I had warned them. I'm like, you're not going to want to shoot BB at ducks you know, cause we were, we thought we were going to shoot ducks too. We ended up having just a slaughter fest of, of cacklers and lessers, but, um, it was, it was just a spectacular thing to see, but we had that conversation and that's, that's something that's frequently brought up with women getting into waterfowl is they're not familiar with shot sizes and, and shotguns and 
Which leads me to my next question. Do you use a choke? Are you more modified or using full or do you have a specific brand you prefer? Um, I actually use a full, it's kind of rested into my gun right now. So that's why it's not being changed. Um, I don't really need to boil it out. Um, but for like temper and stuff, I do generally not use a full. I'd rather use modified or something a little less constricted. But yes, I do need to boil it out. <laughs> Um, generally, if I'm chase, changing chokes out, I'm going to use a Jebs. So I'm I'm pretty loyal to the Jebs chokes. Now, um, you, you prefer the Jebs, you said? Yes. Okay, so you're not using the ones that come with your gun? Um, the one that's rusted into my Maxis right now is the one I'm pretty sure that came with the gun. I have never mm -hmm. been able to get that sucker out. I've tried everything. Um, oh. The one on my snow goose gun, which actually still has the extension and everything on it, I just keep it on there. Um, it's a Beretta Extrema. It's got the jebs on there. That's the so, full. Yeah. Okay. Jebs full. Yeah. Because all the keys have to reach out there a little further. Yeah, right. Yeah. So. For the listeners, um, Jerry, I don't know if you want to dive into it or I can. It's completely up to you of what a choke like what the different chokes are and explaining that you can go ahead okay so for the listeners tuning in um who's wondering what a choke is I know like in the past we've done events where women have asked like how do like even down to how do I put a choke in my gun so we've done videos um instructing on that but there's a couple of different chokes and then there's choke sizes within this but your typical is a cylinder which you're going to get a really wide pattern so as you increase the tightness of that choke, you're going to increase the tightness of your pattern. And you go to like an improved, uh, modified. Modified is pretty much the standard that we tell new waterfowls to start with because it, like you said, it's got a little bit more forgiveness. And it's, the biggest thing is building that confidence. So I always tell girls like, when you get a shotgun, take it outdoors. And I use white paper plates. And I'll put it at 20, 30, and 40 yards, and I'll shoot it. And that way you can visually see what how your pattern opens up. The further out you shoot, the further out that pattern is going to open up, and you're going to get a bigger pattern. But that also means your BBs um, are going to spread out a little bit further. Um, and then the full choke that you're talking about, I use the uh, Code Black Goose. And I love it. Uh, full choke is going to be a really tight pattern. You're going to be able to to really reach out with that one, and it's gonna it's gonna stay nice and tight. So I joke around, especially shooting boss load, that it's like heat seeking <laughs> because you're shooting <laughs> like the size of a softball at 30 yards on a really tight pattern. And if you're good and you got a good aim, you're gonna be like I dropped a a redhead two years ago out in the marsh. Uh, at like 60, 65 yards and just pillowcased him. And I'll, and it was one of those ones where I was in the blind with a group of guys and he kind of like came around us twice. And then on the third time he came around and they were all still loading their guns and I got my gun up. I was to the far left <laughs> and he spun around and I pillowcased him and I was the only one that pulled the trigger. So there's no dispute of whose it was, but that full choke. <laughs> It's not something I tell women to graduate up to until they've gotten like zeroed in with a modified in. And then after they get comfortable with a modified is when I'm like, okay, now is when you should look into Jebs is a really great brand that I've recommended to a lot of women. Um, Code Black Goose or Duck, depending on what you're hunting is another really great one. 
the avian x i don't know if you've seen that one but avian x has a pretty slick choke out now that it seems to work really well um but those full chokes once you've exceeded to where you're comfortable with a modified it's great to bump up to that you're going to be able to reach out a little bit farther you're gonna get a little bit tighter of a pattern and you're gonna be really successful once you build your confidence yeah and then when you get to like the Arkansas snow goose conservation when the birds are wanting to stay a hundred yards up you can move up to extra full yes <laughs> yeah so it's it's kind of neat um to like get into that more technical end of waterfowl what is like your gear setup? Like, what is it that you're wearing out? Um, that's a big question we get is like, I'm getting into waterfowl. What, what gear is the best? What should I buy? Um, so can you tell me a little bit about your, what you wear gear wise? Um, so gear wise, my waders, I have the Gator Waiter Shield Pro and they are, I, I like them because one, they have the sizes that actually fit me. I have um, a round body and a little foot and those things are kind of hard to find like I can't wear the men's waders because my feet slide out of the boot and gator waders has really great product in the shield waders um, I can get the 2x body with the size 8 boot and as long as I wear thick socks I'm good because I normally wear like a six and a half maybe a seven shoe mm -hmm. so that's what I do waiter wise um getting started I wouldn't advise going out and buying Sitka but I also really really would if you have it um just bypass that I think the first time I came to Arkansas I was so nervous coming out meeting all these women and I was like stalking their Facebook profiles and I remember like my friend Lenea we're, we're friends now she had a kudu on her profile picture and I was like I don't even really know what I'm doing and I'm going to hunt with these girls. So I went out and bought like a whole bunch of gear. And it was like a Drake jacket, which is still a fantastic jacket. And I still have it somewhere. But it's a really good like windbreaker jacket. And that's a really big thing is just finding the right type of gear for the conditions that you're hunting. Like right now I run Sitka other than my waders. I've got the gradient pants, Dakota pants, Dakota jacket, Dakota hoodie, gradient jacket zip up jacket all of the base layers everything's in Sitka and I did just go ahead and drop the money and invest in that stuff because of how much that I do it mm -hmm. um, if you're kind of like a hobby hunter you I, I wouldn't like advise just going out and dropping the money on on Sitka but if you're doing this and need something that's going to last and you're out in it pretty much every day of season starting in October all the way till March that the sick is definitely 110% worth it. Yeah, that's that's kind of my go-to as well. I always I have that motto of buy once, cry once. Um <laughs> so like Sika to me, it's when you're getting into water repellent, wind resistant, um, it's done me very well. And even exceeding that, like I've had girls come out and they want to get into fly fishing, but they also want to get into duck hunting, where I've told them, like, just buy duck hunting waders and use them fly fishing to make sure it fits for you before you go buy fly fishing waders. And you can get like Rogers brand. You don't have to jump straight to it. I really, really wish Sitka would open their ears a little bit and do a women's waiter because they only go down to a size nine shoe and I'm a size five in my shoe. So it, it that one kind of burns a little bit because you see all these women wearing Sitka, which is great. Um, but like just that little bit more catering to a female body would be fantastic. Yeah. But like their Hudson set is 
probably my favorite piece of hunting gear that I own that is probably utilized the most in my household and their pattern to me it vanishes in so many different terrains like I use it uh, guiding up here in Michigan I've used it down in Nebraska Oklahoma Texas but I've also worn it into the mountains doing those guided hunts for Audad and into like the sheep getting into the mountains so I my biggest thing is you're right like find what fits your body not every manufacturer out there women have curves and there's not a lot of brands out there that cater to that but also be conscious when you're purchasing your gear for waterfowl that it doesn't have to just be waterfowl like can you use it in the tree stand Sitka their um their timber pattern yep (laughs) it's not offered in women's and I'm I'm way too small to fit into any of the men's gear because most of their gear stops at a medium but if you you're in a medium and up and you can purchase men's gear that timber pattern is great for waterfowl it's great for deer hunting the marsh like I said I use it in the Rocky Mountains I use it down in I use it over in Africa Um, absolutely love that pattern so just be mindful when you're purchasing things that it doesn't have to just be for duck hunting. Um, use your m- money wisely. You work hard for it. So like the Hudson set, I use it for fishing. Um, when we go sturgeon fishing or or it's walleye at the beginning of the that fire season on the Detroit River, that's typically what I'll be wearing is stuff like that because you're be- being able to extend its season out and, and really use it. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, and I do like, like Gator Waiters has their new Severn pattern out. And it's mm-hmm. mimicking, it's not really mimicking the Sitka pattern, but it's more along those lines and broken up more like that other than like just bottomland or which bottomland's universal. It's good for anything, but Sitka does have like that same similar kind of pattern and breakup. I have yet to use those gator waders and I keep saying I'm going to pull the trigger and I, I see all these girls wearing them and loving them. Every person I've talked to that you has used gator waders, whether it's the deck shoes, whether it's the waders has absolutely loved them. So that's going to be the next on my list that I pull the trigger on is getting some gator waiter material because that gear, it really seems to outlast a lot. And I'm, I'm curious to see how it works. Yeah, that was the first pair of waders that I ever bought. Um, I guess it was six, seven years ago now. Um, and they lasted me up until last season. Oh, wow. And Yeah. And it last season is like when I really like deep dived into the like public land and I was getting into much rougher stuff instead of just climbing in and out of the pit blinds or field hunting and things like that. So I was getting a little rougher on them, but they did finally give out last year after that long. And I, I still hunted almost every day before that. It just wasn't quite the same like conditions. So that's why I really like the shield waders is because it's got like the infor- reinforced knees and butt pads and everything like that. Um, yeah, I joked last year when I came down to Arkansas, I went, through, I joked that like you can tell a waterfowl hunter by how many t- pairs of waders they have to buy in a year. <laughs> in a yes. season, I went through uh, three sets of waders, not last season, but the previous season. So I went, uh, on a whim, like, I don't even remember what the name of the store was, but I was down, I was, oh, gosh, I was in Northern Arkansas area, mm-hmm. that North, yeah. Northeast corner of Arkansas. Yeah. In Jonesboro. Yep. Just above it though. And um, we were like, there was just an Paragold. outdoor store. What is it? Paragold. I, I don't know that I could recite it. Even if you told me, mm-hmm. but it was a small, like mom and pop shop, right? Like 20 minutes, 30 minutes North of Jonesboro. And 
I told one of the guys that we were hunting with, I said, I need waders like today because I got there and I had ripped the entire crotch out of my previous <laughs> waders, which were neoprene. So I bought a pair of like Rogers um, and it, I, I don't do a lot of like hunting where I need waders. I'm a big field hunter. I prefer my feet on the ground instead of on a boat <laughs> or in water, but it's also because we don't have, I don't personally have access. I don't want to say we don't because here in Michigan, we have a pretty diverse selection, but I personally stick more to field hunting. Don't really need them that often. But when I do, like, I need them to work. So that's where those gator waders, and especially, again, another waiter that can be multi-use. You can use it for fishing if you're wanting to get into fly fishing or anything like that, or even trapping. A lot of people don't realize if that's something you're interested in, you can reuse it for that. And if they're good quality, like you said, with that reinforced knee, reinforced rear end, like, you're going to, they're going to last you. Yeah, I will tell you, um, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, especially not like on a public setting, but um, they are going to be coming out with a front zip waiter and men's and women. Oh, upcoming um, to stay in competition with the others that are out like Sika and Sheen. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you are looking at them, I would I think they're coming out in either the next few months or after this season. So that's a really style. Huh? With that new style? Yes. Well, with yeah. the new style and then with the, I think with the solids too. I'm not sure what patterns. They also might just be doing bottom land. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, I had a little birdie tell me that because I was um, pre-ordering sheen waders um, because I went down there and they had really good customer service after mm-hmm. thing. I was going to have to wait a year and a half <laughs> um, for them. So I was like, um, well, I'm going to go and buy my gator waders. And then we'll just go ahead and pre-order the sheens. But then a little birdie told me that Gator Waiters is coming out with a front zip. And I really like that function because as a female, um, if you got to go, you don't really have an option. Right. Um, Especially if you're waiting to your hips out in timber, like you you can hang onto the side of the boat and dangle off. And that's about your option. Um, And that's pretty difficult to do in waiters. And try to like stay modest about it. So I really like that front front zip option to make it a little bit more accessible and a little bit easier to handle that kind of situation. I guess uh, like I'm, I'm trying to picture this in my head, right? Like I'm picturing myself out there hunting with a, a set of waders that front zips of how you maneuver that. <laughs> and I'm still trying to figure out how not to make a mess. So... Like, if they unzip that far down and you're having to, like, dangle off the side of the boat, like, so down here, everybody has, like, War Eagle Havoc. Everything has got, like, the handlebar or the um, bar to hang on to. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes a really great hang bar whenever you're having to go off the side of the boat. (laughs) Um, So, if, like, they're coming down, like, with your waders. So, mine only let my knees go out so far and I can't get them like down far enough to really get a squat without this is getting really really in depth (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but no just the the front zip option gives you more room to maneuver without tripping or falling into the water and like let's be realistic as females it's not (laughs) as easy for us to do those personal things um like last year 
since we're getting all personal with this last year, I didn't actually have a set of waders with me. So I was, um, my hillbilly ingenuity came out at its finest. And I literally put on a pair of my lacrosse boots with my Hudson set. So they were full on waterproof boots. Um, my Hudson set tucked them into the boot and then duct taped them. <laughs> and, and I had to pee like so bad. Like I was afraid of, of having an issue there. And yeah. one of the girls was like, Hey, you have a butt flap. What are you doing? Cause I'm sitting there trying to like strip my waders off or my bibs off. And, um, she comes up behind me and unzips my butt flap. And I was like, oh my gosh, you just saved me from pissing my pants right now. <laughs> okay, and, I didn't even have that, but that's pretty fantastic. But now when I buy, like that wasn't something until I had been in that situation had I've been mindful of when I'm purchasing gear. So if you see gear, especially women's gear, that's like bibs, waiters, and there's any type of access or flap or, or something to be able to get out, like that's important for us because we can't just like whip it off, whip it out and go wherever we want. We actually have to take a moment and like get our wits with us and get our pants off or, or unzip something and get there. Um, get baby it, wipes. It, what is it? And get the baby wipes. It's a whole ordeal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's, a, I, it is a, maybe a little bit TMI for to some people, but it's a real <laughs> conversation that's not had often. And it's important to make sure that you're doing yourself a service in the outdoors to be able to have the ability to take those moments when they're needed, because when they're needed, they're needed. And yeah, um, yeah it's just, it's funny to me that there's so many brands out there that aren't doing things like that. And it would just make life so much easier. 110%. I agree with that. I love it when my boyfriend looks over me and I'm like, I gotta pee. He's like, well, go pee. Like easy enough for you to say, right? It's a, it's a, at least a 10 minute process. Yeah. Like I'm a boy mom. Um, I got two <laughs> boys and they like, we'll be out hunting and for them to be like, I got to pee. They can like stand up, turn around and, and do it. Right. Where I'm like, <laughs> I have to go walk somewhere away from you because I'm about to whip everything out. <laughs> and it, it's just, yeah, it's something that we do encounter. Um, it's not something that's, you know, put on the front line to have a conversation about, but when you're purchasing gear, it's important to look at stuff like that because you're going to need it eventually. Yes. Uh, probably the most inopportune time. Ex and that's exactly it. Like I was, I was out guiding a group of, I think it was five women when this happened to me. And one of the other girls who I took a break to use the restroom and it was we like kind of like walked up the marsh side and we were standing in the woods and she's like, girl, you could have just peed where you're at. Your whole butt flaps down. And I was like, oh my God, like, I didn't even know that. And it was my hut, my Hudson set. So I had no idea that they had done that. And I was like, you just saved me five minutes of hassle and probably wetting my bibs from the inside. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> but Jerry, it has been so much fun talking to you and we've covered everything from you know you getting into hunting and your what you've been doing in the outdoors and your photography business and and even gear and everything like that is there anything that you would want to say to our listeners or any inspiration that you have for women um, that maybe aren't into waterfowl yet or maybe it's their first or second season that that you could contribute for them yeah um it's take the hunt go do the hunt I know what started all of this 
like really projected it because I took a leap and I went on a girl's hunt in Arkansas, didn't know anybody, drove out here by myself and I took the hunt and I met some of my absolute best friends and it has just kind of catapulted me into the most beautiful world that you could ever, ever experience. Like I have got to experience some of some things people only dream about. So if I can advise y'all to do anything, it's take the hunt. I love that. It's it's a, a big model of like just say yes and, and go do it. And you need to you need to brand that, take the hunt, because that's what <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Women who are curious of getting into the outdoors and haven't done it, we host them here with Women of the Wild, but there's plenty of other women's groups doing it too. And even some independent women out there who just have this mission of getting women in the outdoors, I highly encourage it to just say yes, take that hunt, get out there, try the opportunity, and you're going to open a floodgate. I call it Pandora's box because <laughs> you open a floodgate of women that didn't you didn't know existed. And our outdoors community is here to support you in any way, shape, or form that we can. So if you have questions, there's never a dumb question. The only stupid question is the one not asked. So mm-hmm. ask it get out there again Jerry I really enjoyed talking to you it's been fantastic you're just a phenomenal person and we're gonna have to get you up here in Michigan and and put you on a goose hunt up here next year so leave your calendar open for that in September September is yours because I'm down (laughs) we're we're gonna have to put that one in the books I'm excited I know we've talked probably over the last like two years on social media about getting out together on a hunt and unfortunately the schedules haven't lined up we've had a few and then mishaps happen and and life happens as especially as women and you know some of us as mothers or or just personal life with jobs and everything and sometimes it can be hard but stay persistent and and have the faith that your outdoors community is there to support you and I'm really excited Women of the Wild has some really great things coming up and we have great speakers on our podcast like Jerry and we're in hopes to educate and inspire more women to get in the outdoors We have the 2024 calendar that's coming up. It's out. And when this podcast release, it'll be available on the website, um, but it's showcasing women from all over the United States. We also have our cookbook uh, for 2024. It's our second annual year running that. It's going to be something we run every year, but it's showcasing women from all over the world with wild game recipes. So if you ever have a recipe or, or harvest an animal and you don't know how to cook it, Women of the Wild has you with a wild game recipe book from real women all over the United States, even internationally with those recipes. So check that out on the website. And uh, Jerry, it was fantastic talking to you. And I can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.